Side one is calm, non-abusive, although highly fragmented. Side two is schizophrenic. Like I train harder every single day, like the coach staff helped me a lot, especially Robo after training. I say, Robo, please help me with some finish. And every single day he's there with me, helping me a lot. The mission bells told me, ding dong, that I must not stay. Stay south of the border, down Mexico way. Welcome to episode 35 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Steve Pander. Hello, Michael. What's going on? Well, it's a busy day, busy week for us as well, our third podcast in a week. Yeah, make it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trying to introduce a new thing in our household three times a week, but my, my wife's not really having any of that. So much to talk about today, and we're going to try and cram it in in half an hour done a couple of long podcasts, we're going to try and keep this, this one short and snappy. Let's call this the Dry Twig Podcast. Sure, let's do it. So I guess we, we'll start off by talking about Camilo. Still no final resolution about Camilo, but it's looking close. Or no official final resolution. Well, the fact that the commissioner of MLS has commented on it after the Super Draft, that is telling you something that's, you know, it's very close to a resolution. Don Garber... Well, to paraphrase him, basically, he's saying it's very close. and He said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he a couple of comments other he made about the Whitecaps. He felt sorry for the Whitecaps, and he felt sorry for Carl, which I'm, I'm assuming is Robinson, not Valentine. He also said he was very disappointed in, in the whole situation. And I think MLS have dodged a bullet by that transfer going through and it not being challenged in the courts and the whole legality of MLS contracts as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a lucky escape in some ways for MLS, not lucky for the Whitecaps who have lost their 22-goal leader of the team. So going into the offseason, there were, you know, people were asking if, because because he was coming off the golden boot, if somebody came on with an offer, and there was that offer from Norway for $2 million. But was it actually an offer, or was that just paper talk? Because there's yeah. still nothing about well, we, we don't know, about that. We don't know if the agent actually went to the Norwegian team and said, you know, he's available, and, you know, that that's where it all started from there. Uh, what do you think of the rumored $1.5 million? Is that just... The, what the Whitecaps are getting is that the overall mark we don't know yet because it's just a rumored and it's and it's you know uncorroborated reports at this point. There's no no word from in Mexico or from the Whitecaps. Normally, when when people are talking about transfer fees, though, it, it's not what the club is going to get once everyone else gets their cut. It's usually what the final fee is. So you're looking at one and a half million is the figure that some people have thrown out there. We were also told that there's been negotiations, there's been stumbling blocks because Keretaro are not wanting to meet the value that the Whitecaps are putting on on Camilo. And basically the Whitecaps don't have to sell because Camilo cannot turn out for this club. 
unless the deal has been agreed and unless the Mexican club get an international transfer certificate from the CSA. So if the Whitecaps want to play hardball and get the best value possible, which they should, I know they're just going to want to get an end to the situation, but they have to play hard. Um, the, the ITC will not be released unless the Whitecaps are happy. So I, stick with that. Yeah, stick firm. I would say wait until the last day of the Mexican transfer window is open. I would wait till the last day and see what they if they up their offer. Now... One thing I'm going to do a little bit of math about what you were talking about about you know what they're asking for and what the Whitecaps. Now there was something from Patty Fernandez in Mexico Lovely that's saying, Patty. and saying that the the uh, the Mexican club is willing to pay about seventy percent of the what the Whitecaps were requesting. Now if it's only one point five million that is the rumored fee that they're getting, then that means the Whitecaps are only asking for about two point one million, which doesn't you know compute as in what people were valuing them for. Like, why would the Whitecaps go with such a low offer of asking for only $2 million and then we're then settling for 1.5? So that doesn't compute for me a little bit. I think it's I think the numbers are probably going to be a little bit higher. I don't think there's going to be the, you know, a pittance like Salama was saying in our last podcast that the, they're just going to get 100000 or 200000 I think it's going to be at least a seven-figure figure and it could be in the mid-twos. The, the problems I have with this is the, the Whitecaps didn't want to sell. If the Whitecaps had wanted to sell Camilo and want to put him out there as being up for transfer, there's going to have been clubs that were willing to pay more than what Keretaro are going to pay him. Yeah. And the Whitecaps are now losing out on the value that they could have got because the player has been selfish and unprofessional and has forced the club to take part in a transfer that they really don't want to take part in. And that, that bothers me. There was a media conference call yesterday where Carl Robinson spoke again about the situation and he said that he flew down to Mexico. He had him, a him and a few other people. Yep. Probably Greg Anderson. Yeah. I don't know if Bobby went down or, or not. But they had a face-to-face meeting with Camilo. It lasted about half an hour. Voices were raised. They agreed on some issues. They disagreed on some issues. And the word coming out was that Camilo agreed he had acted in an unprofessional way, which is good, but... It's it's still it's not acceptable and the white caps are losing out and they really have to try and play as much hardball as possible and to try and get the highest value. And I know it's a distraction and I know they have to free up the money, but I just try and drag this on until you get a satisfactory conclusion. All all the word where the Keretaro wanted this completed before the, the start of the Clazuro or whatever it was that was going to be starting, which I believe was this weekend. But the reports that were coming out from ESPN in Mexico and, and the reports round about that on Wednesday were that the deal had been signed, sealed and delivered, but then the Whitecaps said Wednesday evening in the, in the conference call that no, it hadn't been. So who knows? It's a saga. It's dragged on. It needs to come to an end. I'm fed up talking about it. And well, it doesn't need to come to an end because, like we said, we wanted to get the the Whitecaps should get as much as they want. They should drag it out a little yeah, bit. But it it just needs to, to just get. They need to move on and the Whitecaps need to move on and start signing other players so that the the focus is not just on the Camila situation. It's just it's also about building the team going forward. Exactly. And we can't take the step forward until we know exactly how much money we've got to play with, what bids we can put in for, for some overseas players, some top players, some really key cogs. And yeah, I'm sick of talking about him. Let's just leave it there and move on to some happier things. Because we actually do have some new additions in the in the squad today. Three new players joined from the MLS Super Draft and 
the draft didn't go according to everyone's plan, which I know, Steve, you always think the mock drafts, if it, if it says that a player is going to such a, a team, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen, no. But let's look at who the Whitecaps ended up with today from the 2014 Super Draft. Getting drafted and I know it. Drafted and I know it. So three players that were drafted by the Whitecaps and know it were centre back Christian Dean taken at number three, Jamaican midfielder Andre Lewis taken at number seven, and in the second round at number thirty the Whitecaps took Senegalese striker Mamadou Dudu Diouf. Great name, great ideas for songs. I'm already thinking we can do the Muppets theme for that. Yeah, I saw oh, you tweet that yeah. out. Oh mama do 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 de off. Oh mama do 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 de off. Oh mama do 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 de off. Oh de off. Oh de off. Oh de off. Did do do mama do. Gonna be the big hit. That and my Marco Booster song. That's what we're gonna hear going around MLS stadiums this year. So Steve, what do you think? Three new players. Were you happy with who we got? Disappointed with who we didn't get? Obviously, it didn't go the way that people were predicting, but but what's your thoughts on, on well, who we have so far? Everybody had us taking Andre Blake and then Eric Miller. And, of course, the rumours were that the Whitecaps were really keen on Blake and were wanting to trade up to the number one spot to try and take him, but Philly outbid us with DC. Yeah. According to reports, nothing obviously confirmed, and they moved in and swooped and, and they took Blake. And I guarantee you that the the Whitecaps will say that they never were in talks or anything like that. Or they were just exploring and seeing what they can get. Or maybe they just say they were trying to trade up to get Dean. They could easily say that. They could tw- turn it that way if they want to. Now, in the three picks they got, going over Twitter, they a lot of people are very pleased at what the Whitecaps got. They say that the, the two guys in the first round probably have the highest upside. Um, I know you don't like that term, but... It is a term. It's potential. Yeah, it's, it's just like hor- what they, a horrible term. I don't know when that started yet. It's used. where they. It's basically even in the residency they talk about it, where people have a high ceiling. That means that they can actually hit, go a little higher in their talent and where they are able to go. Some people have already reached their ceiling, which is not a good thing. It means that they are not going to be getting better as they grow into their into the game. I think uh, I hit my ceiling when I was twelve. Really? That that soon? Yeah. So Christian Dean, the first pick, uh, we saw, uh, I was searching around after uh, he got selected, found an interesting thing. He actually came, came from Deanza Force, which is a rival to the Whitecaps. Yeah, any, anyone that's seen residency games will be familiar with, with Deanza. He left, though, before the Whitecaps joined the USSDA, so yeah, he so never, he never actually played. Never played against the Whitecaps. And he, he's never been to Vancouver, either. No. And so, he, but he is a friend of Omar Salgado. Um, so, but... The one thing is about him is coming out of club soccer, he was a co-captain, and he actually came, he, when he was with Deanza, he was a left winger, which was surprising. So he started, came to college as a left winger, moved to left back, and then eventually moved to center back. Very, very strange positional switching there. Like, you see a lot of players, maybe strikers, when they get older, go and play at center half, or you see left wingers going to left back, right wingers going to right back. But to start off as a left winger and end up as a, a centre half, that to me that doesn't compute very well. Yeah. But at least it should show that he's very mobile, got a bit of pace to him. Yeah, he's they, that's the one thing they show. They say he's very athletic uh, when he's on the pitch. Obviously, because he's moving 
so much and he didn't play too much center back when he was growing up. He's not as good in the air. But he does have a good, you know, ability to hit from set pieces, which is not common for a center back. Or No, I, I guess if what it boils down to is what you like in a center back, what you look for from a center back. Me, I'm old fashioned. I still call them center halves. And I like my center half to be good in the air. Yeah. And if we've got a tall guy that isn't good in the air playing in the middle of your back line, I, I get nervous with that. I just don't like it. But the thing is with him, and a lot of people have said that going into the draft, that he's going to need a couple of years. He's not an instant starter. Um, and and the Whitecaps shouldn't, like I, we've said in the past, that Whitecaps should not be looking for starters in the draft. This is a place to develop, get a young player who you can maybe work with in a couple of years and make him a starter or at least a decent backup. I was going to say he definitely shouldn't see time on the pitch this coming season, but we can't say that. We saw the injuries with our centre-backs last yeah. year that, who knows, he might end up finding time on the pitch. And he, he spoke about that. Media were had a conference call with the, the two draft picks from the first round this morning. Um, he was confident that he would find time on the pitch this, this season, whether in the centre-half or left-back role. But I, I just don't see that happening unless we are so down to the bare bones well, that think, he's forced into it. I think most draft picks are going to be saying that. That's the right thing to say. That they, They're nobody's going to say, I want to just stay on the bench for the first year. Nobody, nobody comes out and says that when they when they get drafted. Now, quick question. We'll, we'll go over this quickly. He's a left-footed guy. Yeah. Now, we got Demerit as left-footed guy. You got Levron as left-footed guy. You got Dean as left-footed guy. On the right side, you had O'Brien and you have Mitchell. Do you think this affects whether they sign Demerit? Do you think this has a chance where O'Brien stays instead of Demerit? I don't. Again, I don't see them keeping both for whatever reason. No, I mean we've said we've said this since the season ended. Basically, that we we can't keep both. And there's a couple of interesting spins you can put on this. Now, this is just us just chewing the fat just to kind of see what what we might come out with at the other end. But you could look at it that signing. Someone like this puts a bit of pressure on Demerit to sign his contract because the White Cats can say, "Look, if you don't want to sign, fine. We've got Andy O'Brien, we've got Leveron, we've got this new kid coming in, we've got Jackson Farmer." Or it could be signalling that it's going to be the end of Andy O'Brien because they're going to go with a couple of young centre backs and they can't keep both the guys. I, I've said all along, they can't get rid of Demerit just now for all the wrong reasons. That he's the face, he's the first player that they signed, he's so popular, they've lost Camilo, that it would be a PR disaster to get rid of him. And that's the wrong reasons for keeping him. I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's good for us going forward. I don't think there's a long term to him. And he's not good value for the money that he's clearly wanting. He would be excellent trade, trade bait. We could get so much good stuff for that. And we don't know, Dean, Dean came across in the conference call as being very mature. And I really, I really like the cut of his jib. And talking of the conference call, let, let's just hear a little bit of sound bites from that just now, some of the things he said to the media this morning. A dream come true. Um, I mean, especially a team on the West Coast growing up in California, uh, close to home. And I mean, I have a friend at the club, Omar Salgado, already, so I've heard great things about it and just really excited. Uh, about the prospect of you know flying to the club. Um, up until this point, uh, no real sense of where I'd end up. I had talked to the coaching staff uh, while I was at the combine uh, during one of the player meetings, and uh, you know hit it off. Um, other than that, no, no real like talk about hey we're 
we'll select you or stuff like that. So it's kind of a bit of a surprise, but I mean, in the end, I'm happy uh, that I got picked by Vancouver. I bring energy, big, athletic, you know, on the larger side, especially. Uh, you talk, said good feet, uh, especially at center back. Uh, I kind of pride myself a little bit on that. Um, it's something that I like to use to my advantage while playing there. And, um, yeah, just hopefully a lot of hard work on the field as well. I'm ready to come in and play uh, wherever I, wherever I uh, would have ended up, I think. Especially at Vancouver, I think coming in the defense uh, will be something that will be a possibility for me. And especially uh, possibly left back or center back, wherever they uh, decide to uh, try me out. Either one works for me. I haven't played left back in a while, so I would have to kind of adjust back into that. But um, I, I love both positions. Right now I'm probably a little more comfortable with center back, but I could play left also. So the Caps ending up with their first pick, uh, a center back. And all the expectation was that the, the Caps were going to draft to fill their needs. And centre-backs maybe not something that you, that you think of as being their, their main need just now. Right-back definitely was. And of course, so many of the mock drafts before everything came out had the Whitecaps taken at number seven, Eric Miller. But those pesky Frenchies got in before us, did a trade to, to move up the draft and took Miller from right under our noses. Is that how you see it playing out? Do you think that we're going to have taken Miller? There, there's a chance they could have taken Miller, but there's no guarantees. Uh, they also Philadelphia were looking for a right back as well. Um, Philadelphia just seemed to want to get rid of all, yeah, all the, their their draft picks after the, they got Blake. They didn't care. No, but the funny thing was is Montreal jumped in front of Philadelphia, Philadelphia, in order to get Miller. The, why didn't they just jump in front of Vancouver and trade with Philadelphia? Because Philadelphia, as soon as Miller was picked, they traded down. So my thinking is Miller wouldn't be available at number seven if the union stayed where they were. Because maybe they were looking at number six with Eric Miller. Possibly. And it, it was always going to be a risk taken anyway. He was never going to be a starter. And it, it's something else. I'm, I'm, I'm not sad that we didn't get Blake. He was a good prospect. I just don't think well, that it was something that was vital for the Whitecaps to get him. Well, we don't know if he would have won. He's excited to play in Canada either. because yeah, he, that's he, true. Apparently, uh, an old tweet that he did during the World Cup qualifying, he tweeted out, if you're not watching the USA-Mexico World, Qualif- World Cup qualifying, you might as well just move to Canada. Yeah. Which I... I'm don't... sure that would have come up if he'd signed for us. That would have been doing the rounds pretty quickly. Yeah, and I, 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 I wish him good luck, not only in Canada, but in French-speaking Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. French lessons. And the thing about not getting Miller is I've said for several weeks now that in that right-back position, I don't want a young prospect. I'd rather have two veterans or two pretty equal talents battling it out so you've got two really good players that that are going to play in the right-back position. So let's forget about who we didn't pick. True. um, And let's move on to the seventh pick. And they picked up uh, Jamaican Youth International. Uh, Andre Lewis. Yep, we didn't get one Jamaican Andre, but we did get the second Jamaican Andre. Yeah, and he, who knows, he could be the better one out he, of the two. He could be Andre the Giant. Uh, he's only 5'7", though. <laughs> he could be Andre the Midget. Although he's actually, he's only an inch smaller than me, so he, he's a he's normal-sized man, perfect size for a man, I think. And he was actually somebody that really impressed in the combine. Um, yeah, he, 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 he turned a lot of heads where some of the other players turned a lot of stomachs. Yeah, exactly. One, uh, I'm going to read a couple of comments about his performance at the combine. 
uh, from the MLS website. He stood immediately for his toughness and skill on the ball. He's got a good foot first touch and it is elusive. Um, he made him take notice that even after he took a hit or two, that he maintained possession and made a play. And he didn't get bullied around bullied around by guys that were 40 pounds uh, heavier than him. So the, it looks good. Of course, this is he was playing against people that were in college, So, but he stood out amongst those players. And it's the combine, which I hold no... No, no regard for whatsoever. It's but like if you think about it, when people go on scouting trips to down south or something like that, you only look at like a player playing a couple of games. You don't play not if you're one. doing your scouting properly. For example, I know for a fact that the Whitecaps made four or five trips down to New Mexico, and they were watching Ben McCain doing some of the New Mexico teammates. That he but had. that's their own guy, right? Yeah, but I'm they were saying... also because of that they're watching the players on a yeah. regular, regular basis. But the, in, in in this case, like if you go to a Caribbean country or something like that, you, you know you're going down. Say say Johnny Leveron. Luckily for them, Johnny Leveron was playing in the Olympics, so they got to see him there. But if they had not seen him, they would have only seen him a couple of games. Like for oh, exa- yeah. another it's, it's example, the whole scouting by YouTube thing. Again. Yeah, but you're doing well just now, actually. Thanks. Uh, also, Gershon Coffee. How many times did Tommy Sowen see Gershon Coffee? Not often. I'm almost. I'm assuming maybe two, three times. And that's how much a combine is. I believe, though, that there was a hot dog factory down there, so that, that did make that him go down a, a bit. And he was wearing a mustard suit today. Yeah, Dark mustard. That was really strange. I thought he had actually turned into a hot dog. <laughs> so uh, that's Andre Lewis. I tweeted out, if you check my Twitter, at, at Whitecaps Beat, there's a couple of videos of him scoring um, against in the U17 uh, Jamaican team against France. And he also, uh, some grainy video from his, uh, I think, high school or something like that. And Andre was on the conference call as well this morning. And I, I have to say, and it's early and you don't want to get down on the guy, but after the whole Darren Matic situation, I'm I'm wary of very confident and cocky young Jamaican players. And he also said that he was a, a big fan of the Whitecaps because of Darren Matic. So that set my alarm bells ringing. Just, just as long as we don't see him appearing on Jamaican TV in December this year, next year, doing us any interesting interviews. And then hopefully he can also cook for himself. Oh, definitely. That's a big... Uh, hopefully they did some scouting on that, his cooking ability. But enough of me talking about what he said on the conference call. Let, let's hear a little bit from our new midfielder, Andre Lewis. Ellie. I'm excited to be with Vancouver. I was a, I'm a fan of Vancouver because of Darren Maddox. You know, he's Jamaican. I love the support that the fans gave to Vancouver and I'm looking forward to start professional career with the, with the White Caps and to just go there, work hard and do my best and to represent for my country, you know, myself as well, my family. Anywhere I go, I want to be with a Jamaican, you know, but if not, it's okay. I just have to prepare myself to move on my own, to be mature even though I'm 19. So I just say that can you describe yourself uh, a little bit as well, just as a, as a player? I'm pretty cool. Nice to sit around and talk. I love to have fun with my friends. Sit home and play video games. Not just me. I love to just give jokes. I always sit around and laugh all day. I always want to learn new stuff. So that's just me. Yeah, and on the field, Andre, how do you describe yourself to the fans here as a player? On the pitch, I always want to 
be the top player, win or lose. I want to be on the um, on top of my game at all times. So I'm the player that encourage my player that come on. If they, if it is a bad game, we can step up and do much better. So I'm pretty good talking to my teammates, telling them that come on, we can do this. So a centre back and a and a midfielder picked up in the first round. Happy with that? I have to say I'm not. I wasn't overly jumping through hoops. I, I didn't think it was fantastic picks. No, I thought they were decent picks. I think you you got Christian Dean, who was rated as the number one player. Everybody had him number one or number two in the draft. You picked him up at number three. No big deal. You don't have to waste a spot international spot on a goalkeeper backup goalkeeper. That's a positive. And then you know. I, I don't I don't see it as being a big problem. Midfielder, I'm hoping this doesn't affect signing of Bustos or Froze. You know, that, that could be a possibility. Maybe they wait a little bit to sign those guys. Positive is that they signed a they drafted an international midfielder. Maybe that means Aminu Abdullah gets released. We can hope because we we really could do with freeing up some international spots yeah, because they're gonna need to. Well, Camilo's gone. Yeah, and we, like, we need to look at all the domestic things. We know that Lewis is definitely going to be an international because yeah. he's coming from Portmore United, who are the club that the Whitecaps will be playing down in the Portland Rose City Invitational next month. And in the second round, with our pick that we had there, we, we picked up another international. We picked up a striker out of Yukon from Senegal, Mamadou Dudu Diouf. I just love saying his full name. It's, it's just it's just got such a great ring to it. And I'm very excited about this signing. From what I'd read about him before the draft and from what we've seen video-wise after him and what we've since read after after we picked him, I think that's a fantastic pickup. Well, a lot of people on Twitter, uh, a lot of people who, like uh, Soccer by Ives, uh, that's one guy, calling it a steal, uh, drafting him so late. Um, he was injured for a lot of 2013, but in 2012, he was a candidate for Player of the Year. Yeah, he led UConn in scoring. Yeah, he was also injured a lot in his freshman year. Yeah, uh, then he, he played the full seasons in his second and third years. And my concern is, do we have a player that's another draftee, Omar Salgado, that's going to be like played by injuries? Yeah, it's a possibility, but that could be happen to anybody. Omar Salgado wasn't injury played before he got drafted, and he became no, he just, just since, yeah. I, but I, I, I like Diof. I think it's a, a really, really good pick for us. And It could be a depth forward, like yeah. somebody who's we, we, like in the fifth, sixth spot. Maybe to, this maybe spells the end for Tommy Heineman, but maybe not. But I don't know, it's very, very different players because Heineman brings the, the height and aerial threat. Well, he's 6'1", too. Yeah, but I mean, from what we've seen from Diof, he's a lot better on the deck. And we do need to, to strengthen up front. I was hoping that we would take a look at Mullins. But he dropped quite a bit. I was so surprised that he went down to 11th. Now, I, I've followed the college game more this year or last year than I have before because I, I kind of, I've really got into it. I've really enjoyed the games I've watched and I wanted to know more about the players for, for this draft. By no means anywhere near an expert, but I, I thought Mullins definitely had potential. And there's obviously something about him that was putting teams off. Definitely. Uh, I'm not sure what it was, but the, you have the player of the year going all the way. Uh, got drafted by New England, like in the teens, early teens. It, it, it's got well, to say th- something. I think he went 11th and they, they traded up to get him. But I think uh, going back to Dioff, I think he, he 
he could be a player down the road. Maybe he gets loaned out and doesn't play the first year with the Whitecaps. Maybe he goes to Charleston. I want to tell our listeners a little bit about Dioff. Uh, this is a scouting port report I found on the site. Some of his pros, he's got amazing kicking power. The strength, so definitely there. Sized, um, got good awareness, soccer IQ, and he has potential. In fact, this this report says he has a chance to rival uh, Darren Maddox as as, uh, as like uh, like being one of the top strikers. Like this oh, is from okay. a couple of years ago when he was rumored to be a Generation Adidas player. He like he yeah. was almost signed to a Generation. I know Adidas he nearly came out years. early, even last two years. But he decided to stick out in the college, which obviously hurt him because he got injured this year. But it got him an education, so yeah. I'm always, always for that. Uh, cons, uh, durability, obviously, that's obvious. And one thing he obviously has probably worked on, but this is, like I said, this is from a couple of years ago. He, they said he's purely a goal scorer. He doesn't uh, connect well and, and provide assists or play by playmaking ability up front. And again, hopefully this is something he worked on. This is again something I found a couple of years ago. His kicking accuracy is not that great, but that's oh. as him as as two years ago. So that's as a sophomore. I couldn't find anything recently about what 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 his uh, report was. I'm excited to see what he can do in a professional environment under the the coaching staff. Kyle Robinson worked hard with our strikers before when he wasn't the head coach. It's going to be interesting to see who he brings in still as this other assistant coach. Because if it was someone like, say, Danny Dickio, who was rumoured, a striker, if he brings in somebody that, that's good working with strikers, a player like Diouf and then working closely with Kikutamani and Omar Salgado and those guys, we might really kind of to see the best coming out of that. But the question is, who the, who then coaches the defenders? The, uh, you would think that, I personally think that they should be a defensive, somebody that could fix the defensive side. That's unless a Robinson, very good point. Unless Robinson is going to stay away from the strikers and start dealing with the midfielders and the defenders. Or maybe he'll continue working with the strikers and whoever whoever comes in as this, basically what's going to really be his right-hand man. Because we, we discussed last time we see Gordon as being the number three in the yeah. in the coaching pecking order. So whoever comes in as his right-hand man, maybe will be a defensive guy. Yeah. So... Wrapping up the draft, uh, we should obviously talk about Michael Calderon. No, don't. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm going to talk about Michael Calderon. Still available. I still see the Whitecaps taking him. Even though they've drafted two internationals? Yeah, actually, I don't see them taking him anymore because of that. I, I'm still trying to, I'm trying to pump this guy's tyres. I'm not his agent. If he wants me to be his agent, happy to be his agent. But, yeah, I think taking those two international things has possibly buggered my chance of seeing Calderon and a Calderon McHenry partnership in the in the middle for the Whitecaps. Now on draft day, lot of media there, all the MLS top brass, all the coaches, lots of rumours flying about. Some of them concerning Whitecaps players. Current and potential. And one of the rumours flying around is and this is again from Soccer by Ives, is that Eric Hurtado could be getting traded. That was that was the word down Philly at the draft today. We've obviously talked about that before. We wouldn't be unhappy to see him go. But what do you think we could possibly get for that? I think at this point, you could almost get anything for him and you'd be satisfied because one thing, before we even talk about what you can get for him, it opens a spot up for Ben Fisk. And I think Ben Fisk is better than Eric Hurtado 
in the long run and the short run. We should have a drinking game, actually, how many times we see Ben Fisk to get signed this yeah. year, because I think we've said it quite a lot. But that that's just but, how passionate we are about him. But I think that opens up a spot for him. That's number one. Definitely. He, he's going to get signed. I, I bet my house on it again. Okay, cool. And Even though you don't own the house. Yeah, but um, I'm not afraid to risk that. Okay. And or, then, or jail. In addition to that, if you want to avoid any kind of comparisons with uh, the whatever you get back, you just get allocation money. And that way, nobody know, nobody's ever going to find out what the allocation money is, so you don't have to worry about <laughs> whether you got value or anything like that. Now, there was a rumor, somebody brought, uh, t- uh, put it out there on Twitterverse, that Zach McMath wasn't happy with the Andre Blake drafting oh first overall he was at the draft talking feverishly with his agent yep, and very animated, animated apparently Whitecaps need a backup keeper maybe Zach McMath could be that keeper that they, they trade for and I, I wouldn't be unhappy with that I'd still prefer us to go with Thomas and Carducci as our two and three we do need a, a quality backup and a guy that can step in because Eisted is just an injury or uh, flying out of his box and getting a red card away from the Whitecaps being in a bit of a mess so we need to have a good backup. Um, McMath would do that. Whether he would want to come as a backup, of course, being a starting keeper with Philly as he was last year, is a whole different matter. But at the same time, there's a big difference in going to a new club and battling it out for the number one spot, as opposed to being the number one at a club and then getting ousted, no pun intended, by a new kid coming in from the draft. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So we, we threw out on Twitter ask our listeners what they thought the draft. So let's go over some of those tweets just now. So looking at some of the tweets, Steve V at North Van Steve says, he's worried about a lack of direction, not age. Who leads the attack from centre mid? Who replaces YP Lee? Very valid points. The, the right back thing, it's it's not becoming panic stations. It's becoming very close because you've got training camp opening in 10 days and we don't have a right back. Well, it still could be, the trades still could occur. Maybe Eric Shahado gets traded for a right back, you never know. Maybe we'll even see Jamie Peters coming back, trying out. I, I think we'll probably see a lot of trialists in the in the first few days or weeks of, of the training camp definitely and then um, I just want to mention Big Mac at CP underscore CNC I tweeted out Andre Lewis's uh, goal that he scored against France and he responded back I like it also Alexander Nash at Crafty 747 tweeted out when we mentioned that Al- uh, Christian Dean could play left back mentioned that Jordan Harvey better watch his back that, that's not going to happen. There's no way. I mean, D- Dean himself said that he's, he's more comfortable. He hasn't back. played left back for ages. He's more comfortable centre back. This isn't Martin Rennie trying to break players down yeah. or try them Hopefully in unusual nobody positions. Hopefully, broken down this year. Yeah. So that, that isn't going to happen. Jake Nemich at J Nemich on Twitter, that's N E M E C, said he's happy with today's picks. This year's squad should be fun to watch. Throw in one or two new DPs, uh, and they should compete. I like. I'm a big fan of youth, and we had an interesting chat on Twitter this morning. It was you, you myself, Davy Norman, and Carlo Corazine and Mark Rogers. We were talking about the whole youth aspect of the Whitecaps. 
Carlo's a big believer that it doesn't matter about age. If they're good enough, get them in the team. Nigel Rio Coker's always going on about that. I'm a big believer about that as well. At the same time, though, I have concerns that there's a huge gap. I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I was talking about it on the on the Southsiders forum, and Mark Weber tweeted it out later as well. He was He was talking about the same thing. There's a big gap to me in the players between, say, the 25 and 30, 31 age range. We're missing those important key players. Guys with a bit more experience, a bit of knowledge of the game that can slow it down, know the things that they need to do in the game and can be the the help for the younger players. We've got a lot of old heads and playing such a schedule where you're travelling so many miles, you're playing on different surfaces, some horrible turf out there, including the home games at BC Place, that all takes a toll on the old guys. And I think we're too heavily reliant as of now and looking at the possible residency guys that we bring in on youth. And it's great having this youthful direction, but you need to have some guys 26, 27, 28 thrown in there as well. And that's what we've not got. And these are the guys that we now need to start picking up and we need to do it pretty soon. So um, another one, Justin Abeling at Franco Domenco uh, tweeted out concerning the Mamadou Diouf pick. Uh, I feel like I'm overreacting to this pick a bit, but I'm really, really happy with this pick. Definitely my most exciting signing of the three. So I'll keep the tweets coming. We'll, we'll cover it when we do our next podcast, which should be next week. We'll wrap this one up for now. But before we go, we want to give you some news, which was put out this morning by, I never know how to pronounce his name, Livio Bird. Yeah, it happened actually right after the draft was over. Yeah, former goalkeeper with Kitsap Pumas. Very respect- and Seattle Pacific too, University. Very respected journalist down in in Washington State. And he broke the news that Bayern Munich are considering games in New York and Vancouver. So we could see Bayern Munich turning out at BC Place, which would be fantastic if they're not playing the Whitecaps. I want them to play another team. I'm not against seeing these big name teams playing here. I still don't think the Whitecaps should be playing them. And I know it's a well, massive if, game and it would be great for the players. If they like, can, can you imagine like Bustos and Froze playing against Bayern? They'd love that. But it could completely mess up our season looking at how we collapse in July. So one thing about the uh, Bayern potential friendly. Do you think this is a makeup by MLS? Is MLS setting this up for the Whitecaps to make up for the Camilo situation? Is this like a payback kind of thing to get this thing resolved faster? Actually, that, that's a good call. That could be something because they, they have to do something to keep the fan base on side here. And a big glamour friendly like that would certainly do it. That That's really, really good idea. Yeah, maybe they took it. Maybe it was scheduled for somebody else and they've t- they have asked them to back off and then they'll set, set it up for Vancouver at this point. It'll bring in a lot of money and everything like yeah, that. I, it certainly will create a lot of buzz and a lot of hype in the city. I'm just not a big fan, fan of these mid-season friendlies, but... It is what it is, and if it helps grow the profile of the club and it helps people take an interest and even win over a couple of fans and it being Whitecaps fans, then it's going to be worth it. Do you think they would give this as a free ticket to the season ticket holders or do you, like they did for Man City, or do you think this would be uh, you have to pay for it if you want to watch it this time? It could depend on the Amway. If we, we always get two free tickets in the season ticket package for the Amway games, if we get to the final, then they'll get used up. So in that case, I would think it wouldn't come to season ticket holders. They might get a discount, but I think they're going to try and make as much money out of this as possible. Yeah, maybe they, they don't think that they're going to get past TFC because obviously TFC is the team they're going to play in the semifinals and yeah. they won't have that 
second game to use for the season ticket, so they don't want to refund all the money back either. Yeah, I, I, well, they, they wouldn't refund because it's it's just to say it's two tickets that can be used and it's branded yeah. for the Amway, so if there isn't a second game. So then they can spin it and say, look, you didn't get this, but look, we're giving you a free ticket or a discount ticket to the Bayern Munich, the Bayern Munich game. game instead. So folk will like that. Except for the hardcore fans. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the reaction. If it was at any other teams, apart from, say, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Man United, yeah. I, I think you'd get a different reaction. You but could I even think get Liverpool in there, probably. Liverpool possibly. would sell out. Yeah, I think there's quite a few Liverpool people around. I've, I've actually always wanted Chelsea to come because I've got some really good Ashley Cole songs I really want yeah. to sing at him. The thing is, as well, the Whitecaps have always said that they'll only play international friendlies if it's worthwhile to them and it gives them the chance of making it a big occasion, opening up all of BC Place, and Bayern Munich would certainly give that possibility. It definitely will be. They're one of the top teams. They're obviously a Champions League team, right? And of course, it all appease all the Euro fans and, yeah. and make them think, hey, they're on a par with Bayern Munich. So we'll, we'll see what happens. If it comes off, it comes off. I'm still a bit meh about it. That's it for this episode. So, as always, thanks for listening. Steve, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Whitecaps Beat and obviously writing for Canadian Soccer News at AFTN. And I'm Michael McCall and you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Drop us an email to the podcast at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com and find all our writings online on Canadian Soccer News at AFTN.ca and also watch out for some of my articles on Soccerly.com. Another draft over. I was actually quite excited by this draft. I didn't think the quality was fantastic, but just with all the trades and everything going back and forward, it made it a little bit of excitement for the, for at least the first hour. But the Whitecaps at least have three new players. Just need to get some more experience in there and a couple of right-backs. Hopefully when we do our next podcast next week, we'll have some of that to talk about. So until then, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.